recently, I went to go find some super glue uh, in our junk drawer, which you know what a junk drawer is, right? You normal mid-Michigan folks. Of course you have a junk drawer. A junk drawer is where you stick, you know, random screws and pens and things that don't have a spot, charging cables that go to cell phones you got rid of five years ago, batteries, you have no idea if there's a charge in them or not. Like the junk drawer just kind of catches everything. And I was digging in there, I found what I was looking for, and, uh, and then I went to close the junk drawer, and I don't know if you've been here before, I could not get it closed. I kept on like trying to shove it closed. It was too full of junk. And so I began the great purge. I started pulling things out of there, trying to say, I'm going to throw some of this junk away, and uh, eventually found the culprit that was keeping the door open. It was a piece of metal about eight inches long, curved on one end, and for the life of me, I had no idea what this thing was for. And so I turned to my wife and some of the kids that are around. I said, anybody know what this, this thing is? And they all kind of squint at it, peered at it for a little bit. No one knew what it was for. And, uh, and so yeah, nobody knew what its purpose was. And so what did I do? I stuck it back in the junk drawer, right? <laughs> no, I didn't at all. I threw it in the garbage because if it doesn't have a purpose, it is useless. Like more than likely, it probably had a use at one time. I'm sure it was useful to somebody at some moment, uh, but it was not useful to me. It was just taking up space. It had no purpose. And uh, just a little bit of irony, it actually would have made, had a great purpose as a, a sermon illustration for my introduction this morning, uh, but alas. So good morning, Community Church. Good morning to those who are gathered at our St. John's campus and our Alma campus, those who are gathered online, and then good morning also to our Mount Pleasant campus. Today, we are talking about purpose. We're in a series right now called POV, and over seven weeks, we are digging into seven points of view that are widely held by us. We took some time a little while ago. We polled people. We had conversations. Uh, we've, we discussed and looked at what are real views that were found by people who are around community church and living in our communities. These are real fears, real concerns, and here's today's point of view. The fear that I won't live up to my potential. That I won't live up to my potential. That I, that I won't uh, you know, live up to my purpose. You know, what if I go through life and I don't do the things that I'm meant to do? Or, or maybe even worse, even scarier, what if I don't have a purpose? I wonder, is that a point of view that you hold? Have you ever been afraid that maybe you missed your calling, that maybe in a specific area of your life you feel like you don't measure up, that, it, that maybe the fear that you will fail and you won't amount to anything? And I think more than likely each of us at some place, at some moment, have held that fear before. Maybe it's personal for you. You wake up in the morning... You go to work, you come home, you watch TV, you go to bed, you wake up the next morning, you go to work at a job that, you know, it pays the bills, it, uh, but you're not sure if it's your calling, you're not sure if it's what you're meant to do forever. You come home at the end of the day, you go to, you watch TV, you go to bed, you wake up the next morning, go to work, come home, watch TV, go to bed spend way too much time scrolling on your phone, you wake up the next morning tired and you're thinking, man, there's got to be something more to my life than this. 
Am I, am I working where God wants me to work? Am I, am I doing what God meant for me to do? Am I, am I living up to my potential? Now, you know, what am I capable of? What has what God put me here for? Have you ever asked that question before? Or maybe that point of view that, that maybe you won't measure up is tied to a relationship for you. Maybe you're single and you, you've been praying and, and seeking God out and saying, man, uh, you know, Am I ever going to find the right person? Am I ever going to, you know, did I miss an opportunity with that person I was supposed to, to end up with? Or, or maybe you found the right person, like you were confident, like I, I heard all the, all the bells, all the whistles, and they just weren't on the same page with you. Or maybe you're married, and if you're honest, man, things have been tough. Maybe it's your fault, maybe from your perspective, it's their fault, more than likely, it's a little combination of both. But it's just felt hard. It's been a struggle. You feel like you've been going through the motions in your marriage, and you wonder, did I make the right decision? Am I doing what God wants me to do in this relationship? Or maybe you've been married, and it didn't end up the way that you expected or the way that you wanted. And you wonder, man, does that, does that disqualify me somehow? Like, does that make me a failure? Did, did I miss my calling? I know many of you may be parents, and as a parent, you feel this pressure to measure up, to feel like, man, I want to be a good mom or a good dad, and, 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 but you can't help it. You just seem to keep missing the mark. You, you either lose your ten, temper or you, you withdraw yourself. You, you disengage, and you wonder, am I living up to my potential as a parent, or am I going to mess up my kids? Am I going to fail? Am I going to get it wrong? Have you held that fear before that, Man, what if, what if I don't measure up to my potential? If you have, our survey tells us you are in very good company because that's a point of view that many of us hold. And, and that may be your point of view, that you are not going to live up to your potential. But here's God's point of view, that he created you with a purpose. God has a purpose for your life, that you are here for a reason. Some of you need to hear that this morning. That you are not a mistake. God created you with a unique purpose. And we're going to dig into God's word today. And we're going to see that it's true. It's that situation that you're working through. That, that burden that you've been carrying. God sees it. And I'm confident that God wants to work through you. He wants to, 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 to bring breakthrough in that situation. And here, as part of this community church family, Man, our hope is that you'd be able to discover the way that God wants to work through you by being part of this church, that you would increasingly discover your unique purpose, the reason that God puts you here now during this point in history, because purpose is powerful. Man, when you know your purpose, it gives you a reason to get up in the morning, it pushes you to achieve more. It, it gives you action. It, actions that you know in your heart that God is empowering you to do, that you're supposed to do. Knowing your purpose has an impact in your relationships and the ways that you engage with others. God created each of us for a purpose. There was a significant leader in the Old Testament by the name of David. And David in 1 Samuel 16, it talks about when he was called to be the future king. And God sends Samuel, this prophet, to go to the house of Jesse. And God told Samuel, I'll, I'll let you know which of, uh, which of Jesse's sons will be the future king. And so Jesse must have had good genetics because he has got a whole line of boys that are lined up. They're big, strong, handsome, 
by all the world's accounts, seemed like all the, the perfect candidates for a king. And one by one, Samuel goes down, the, goes down the line, and one by one, God says, nope, that's not him. Nope, that's not him. No, that's not him. Eventually, they get to the end of the line, and they go find the runt of the litter. Little David is out in the field, and he's being a shepherd, and they bring him forward, and God says, that's my guy. And there's this, this line in there that God, you know, he sees with a different criteria than we see. God looks at the heart. And, and over the next several years, David continues to grow. It hasn't come to fruition yet. And even if you are marginally aware or, you know, know little about the Bible, you've probably heard the story of David and Goliath. And David's still a young man. But he goes up to the, 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 the lines and uh, the entire Israelite army is petrified because of this giant of a man who's taunting them on the other side. And David, and he's He's the one that's filled with faith. He's, he's like, man, if God is on our side, who could be against us? And God uses him powerfully to go and to overthrow this giant. And if you're reading through it just purely as like kind of the story unfolding, you're thinking, man, God made the right call. Man, God has a huge purpose for David. But if you read on, the existing king, King Saul, actually gets jealous of David. He says that he actually tries to kill David. And so David, for years and years and years following that victory, he's on the run. He's in exile. He's being chased, literally fleeing for his life. And I wonder for those years if David asked the question, God, did I take a wrong turn? Like, did, did, did Samuel get it wrong? Like, like, do I actually have a purpose on my life? And fast forward, David is 30 years old when he eventually comes to his position that was was prophesied so many years before. He, he becomes king of Israel. And, and you think, man, this is, this is the culmination. Things got to be great. And, and certainly initially it was. But then David, if you read through his story, he has this moral failing. He commits adultery with, with a woman. And it's not even like a consensual thing. You know, in his position of authority, he forces himself on her. And to hide it, to make matters even worse, he puts her husband in a place where he's in the front lines and he's killed. You're like, man, God, did you get it wrong? Like, like, what, what, like what, is this game over for that? But you see David in his, in his, in his life, this constant heart of repentance, of, of coming back to God, and there's consequences for that great sin. But you see God still fulfilling his purpose in his life, and David goes on to lead his people. God still blesses David in his role. And it ends up being one of the greatest eras in the history of of Israel. And beyond David just being this great king that's kind of unifying this kingdom, the most important purpose of David was that through his lineage, through his offspring down the line, that God said, I am going to give the Messiah. That God's plan for salvation to send his son Jesus was held through David's line. This is a fantastic calling on David's life. And I read through the life of David, and I think you see, this, you see this roller coaster of ups and downs, highs and lows, triumphs and utter failures. And what does that show? I think it shows a few things. First, it shows that David was human, because I think life often looks like that. Like he made mistakes, and hopefully your mistakes in your life aren't quite as big as some of the ones that David had. He took wrong turns. There were consequences that existed in his life. But more importantly than that, more importantly than the fact that David got it wrong, even though David messed up, God still used him. And here was the phrase 
that God used to describe David. This was what was said about David throughout the Bible. This was his description. Over and over you read this in the scriptures. That David was a man after God's own heart. He's a man after God's own heart. David, he struggled with sin. He made mistakes, just like you or I. And God reminded of him of it. Sometimes it was through the prophets. Sometimes it was just through a sense of, of wrongdoing. And David, again and again, after he did wrong, he turned back to God. He repented of his sin. I think that description of David, of a man after God's own heart, was because he turned back to God again and again and again. He sought after God. What an incredible description. In Acts chapter 13, the Apostle Paul is uh, sharing about the the good news of Jesus, the gospel, with a Jewish audience, and he's kind of laying out the history of Israel uh, that all pointed forward to the Messiah. And you can't talk about the history of Israel without talking about David. And he says this line in, in Acts 13, verse 36. He says, Now when David had served God's purpose... In his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. I I love that description. I mean, what a powerful phrase. When David had served God's purpose, when when he had done everything that God had asked him to do, then his life on earth ended. I would hope that, you know, one day... When my time on earth is over at my funeral, that could be said of me. When, when everything that was said of me to do here on earth was done, that I had served God's purpose, you know, God took me to that next step. And David, you see in his life, he wasn't used by God simply because of his qualifications. Rather, it was the fact that God wanted to use him despite his limitations, Man, it's this different criteria of this, this willingness, the heart that says, God, I'm going to come back to you again and again and again. I'm going to seek after you. That is what God saw, and that's what allowed David to, 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 to play a part. And what was David's part in that? Man, I, th- I think that, that heart that desired to honor God, that came back to God, that repented when he got it wrong, I think that's what allowed him to have that, that simple statement read, that he had fulfilled God's purpose during his time on earth. I've heard it said before that the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but a life without purpose. So I ask you this morning, what's your purpose? What does God want to do through you? I believe as a leader here that God has a unique purpose for you, a reason that you were put here on this earth at this moment in this particular place. And if you are paying attention as a follower of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit inside of you can give you nudges, opportunities, places where you just know, man, I, God gave me that to do. He, he, he allowed me to be his hands and his feet. But with this statement of God has a unique purpose for you, the question it presents is this, can you miss God's purpose for your life? Ephesians 5 Starting in verse 15 says this. It says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And be careful how you live. Don't waste your life. Like, don't waste your time. Don't miss 
your purpose. Make the most of the time that you have here on this earth. Make sure you're being mindful of the opportunities that are around you. This is part of the Christian walk. This last week, I was at the Alma campus, and the Alma campus, the new building, is new enough that it's actually pretty quiet during the day. There's not a lot of traffic that comes in and out. It was in the afternoon, I was coming out of the restroom, and as I was exiting the restroom, I was surprised to see someone I didn't know or recognize making their way into the, the bathroom, and so kind of caught off guard. I look at our facilities guy, Ed, he just kind of shrugs his shoulders, and I, I had a busy day. Like, I, I got the to-do list was full, calendar was back-to-back. I was like, I do not have time. How can I, how can I you know, get this guy out of the building? But he comes out of the restroom a few minutes later. I go up and introduce myself. And, uh, and I just felt God saying, you know, Aaron, take a moment. Just, just give, give this, this guy some time. And so I asked him, I said, hey, uh, introduce myself. I, you know, got, heard a little bit of a story. I said, what, what are you doing? And it turns out he was kind of making his way uh, across uh, the state. He was, he was just passing through town. And um, I said, well, is there anything I can do for you? And he says, what I really need is a ride to Mount Pleasant. I smiled real big. I said, you're in luck because I'm actually leaving for Mount Pleasant here in a couple minutes. If you want to wait around, I'll, I'll be happy to give you a ride. And so he sticks around, and I finish up what I'm doing. We jump in the car and uh, hit the road, and we drive through a drive-thru. I get, you know, grab, grab us some lunch. Uh, and over the course of that drive, I'm just asking him questions about his life and start off kind of like casual, kind of getting to know each other a little bit. And pretty quick, we get to these kind of spiritual things and I think, I think I was ruminating on this message, and so I just start asking about, you know, God's voice, and if that's something that he knows, and we end up having this kind of deep, meaningful conversation, and we come to the end of it, and being a good pastor, I said, hey, can I pray for you, and uh, I prayed with him in that moment, I, I sent him off, and he, he left the car, and I, I don't know what his story continued on for, but, but here's what it made me think of. I never want to miss an opportunity to be in the will of God. I never want to be so busy, so focused on what I'm trying to do, that I miss a chance to speak into someone's life or to care for them or to shepherd them. And I think this verse from Ephesians reminds us, man, the sense of saying, don't be foolish, but focus in on what God wants you to do. Understand what the Lord's will is. And there's this promise here, this statement in these verses, you can know what God's will is for your life. You can know it what his word says. And so if you want to know, God, God, what is it that you want me to do? I think the first action that we should do is ask God. And, and you may be at a place of saying, man, how do I even begin to ask God? And here are some actions that I would suggest. Seek God out. Pursue God. Spend time with him. When you wake up in the morning, you know, start with the sense of saying, God, what do you have for me today? I want to be ready. I want to take advantage of every opportunity. Spend time in prayer. Spend time reading the Bible. Be in community with other brothers and sisters in Christ who you're able to you know, talk with and listen and help discern and give insight. And if you ask God, God, what do you, what's your purpose for me? Doesn't it make sense that a God who is living and active, who is intimately involved in your life, doesn't it make sense that if you have this posture of asking God, that he's going to reveal it to you? There are unique opportunities and activities that God will call you to do, that he'll, he'll put in front of you and you'll have an opportunity to respond. And I just want to say this morning, there is a calling on your life. Now, for some of you, that might sound a little intimidating. 
or maybe a little scary. Like, but, but I believe that God will give you what you need. I saw a, uh, a meme this last week that was shared on Facebook, and it said this. It says, when God put a calling on your life, he already factored in your stupidity. And it went on to say that that was the most comforting thing that I've ever read. God created you with a unique purpose. And man, my, my hope is that you would spend your life continuing to try to discover what that purpose is. And now I want to finish today with uh, five purposes that I know are true of you. And so while you have a unique purpose and your purpose is likely different than the person sitting to your right or sitting to your left, these are five things that I know are purposes for your life. And so if you're asking, you know, what's my purpose? Where do I start? Here are five universal purposes. And these are adapted from a book that came out in 2002 that I think is on most bookshelves I seem to walk by. The Purpose Driven Life was written by Pastor Rick Warren. And I think that it, it resonated in such a way, people asking the question, what is my purpose that caused it to be such a success? And so these are five Five purposes that I know are true for you. Number one, my purpose is to focus my life on God. That's your purpose. To spend your life focused on God. God wants to be the center of your life. He doesn't want to be on the edge. He doesn't want to be the center of your attention for one hour on Sunday mornings. Like if, in fact, if you don't know God yet, if you've not come to this place of surrender, of putting your faith and trust in him, I think your life will not make sense until you come to this place of being in a relationship with God. Jesus had this amazing way of saying things that would make people stop and think. And he was asked in Matthew 22 uh, by these, these religious folks, you know, what you know, what is the greatest commandment? There's all these rules, all these laws of what it means to be part of God's people. What is the, the most important thing we should do? And in verse 37, Jesus replies to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. I think all these rules of what it means to follow Jesus, man, it's really simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Enjoying God's love and loving him back is your most important purpose. And in this life, you're, you're going to focus on something. For some of us, we might focus on, you know, work, maybe a little bit too much. We might focus on family. We might focus on a hobby or something we enjoy. And there's nothing inherently wrong in any of those things. Actually, those are all wonderful things. But those things can so easily become idols that we begin to worship or focus our attention on over our most important purpose. Those things can easily become things that distract us from what we were created to do. And so if you want to know what your purpose in life is, start by spending time with God. Your, your purpose is discovered by focusing your life on God. Number two, our second purpose. My purpose is to love people. So the first commandment Jesus gives is to love God with your whole heart, to focus on him. And he says the second one is like it. In fact, he says it is just as important. He continues on in verse 39. He says the second most important commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. So if you want to know what God wants you to do in this life, there is a huge part of it that has to do with loving other people. 
It's interesting, you know, there's over 100 times that the term one another is used in the New Testament. And 59 of those are specific commands for how we are meant to relate to each other. I think it tells us that you were created for relationships. If you love God, you have to love people. It's not an option that he lays out there. And I realize, for some of you, you have been hurt by people. You've had things happen in your life that has caused you to put up walls or to, to put up boundaries that, that kind of makes it challenging. And, and I think there's no part of this that is easy. In fact, there are some people that are easy to love. This might be an even more important command when you are trying to love someone who's especially particularly hard to love. But you were created by God to be in relationships with others. Don't close yourself off. There's study after study that's come out that's talked about the effects of social isolation. And over the last several years, I think that there's been even more studies done on this. And it's shown that social isolation has negative impacts, uh, not just on our mental health, which it does, things like depression and anxiety, but social isolation also creates physical problems, increases in heart disease and stroke. Social isolation literally makes you more likely to die early. You were meant to love people. And so if you are looking for meaning and purpose and what does God want me to do, start with the people that are near you, next to you, in your family, in your workplace, in this church. Look at joining or starting a group, a place where you're in relationship with other brothers and sisters. Put yourself in a place where you're able to love people. Purpose number three. My purpose is to grow as a follower of Jesus, to become more like Jesus. In fact, this is a huge part of what the Christian life is meant to be, that over time, we should begin to think and act and move more like Jesus as a result of having him in our life. You were not meant to stay the same. You were meant to grow. And in church, we often call this, uh, this, this sense of growing spiritual maturity, so ask yourself, God, where do I need to grow the most? We're three weeks into our discipleship boot camp, and at all three campuses, uh, I've just been overwhelmingly proud that over 500 people in this church have stepped in saying, I, I want to not only grow as a disciple, but I want to be able to teach other people how to grow as a disciple. And I think, man, what, what a catalyst. Like, how can God use that going forward in this community? If you've been in a place of stagnation, maybe looking back and thinking, I don't know if I've grown much recently. I, I, I'm dealing with a lot of the same junk uh, I was dealing with a year ago or five years ago. Like, I think there's a sense of asking, God, where do you want me to grow? Or maybe talking to a brother or sister in Christ, you know, where, where do I have room for growth? Or maybe the, the person that has the best look in your life, if you're married, your spouse, you know, where do I need to grow? And find your way that, that God's going to grow you as a follower of Jesus. Purpose number four, my purpose is to point people to God. In church, the, the word that we use sometimes to describe this is the word evangelism, that you were created to be a living testimony of God, that, that God would be at work in your life in such a way that, that you can't help but, but talk about, share about things that are happening in your life and, in a way that actually caused people to be drawn to God. And that was part of God's plan for the beginning. 
In 2 Corinthians 5, starting at verse 18, God's word says this, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting sins, uh, people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I don't know if that would have been my plan A, but God was like, I'm, I'm giving this to you. I'm trusting this to you as my followers. He has committed to us. He's charged us. He's, he's trusted us to share the message of reconciliation that, that Jesus came and died on a cross so that we can be reconciled to God. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, you are his ambassador in your home. You're his ambassador in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in the relationships that you're, that you're in. The greatest thing that you can do for somebody is to point them towards Jesus. While talking about faith sometimes can be one of our greatest fears. God wants to use you in this purpose. Who are you actively pointing towards God? Finally, purpose five. My purpose is to contribute. You were meant to do something with your time here on this earth. Uh, I was reading uh, a number of studies looking into this, and they show that uh, those who retire and retire from the workplace and go directly to the couch, they really don't have much plans for retirement, they're just, you know, just relaxing, uh, statistically are exponentially more likely to die within several years of being retired. Kind of a heartbreaking statistic. And why is that? Because God did not create you for 24-hour leisure. Now, vacations are great. Rest is important. But you were put on this earth to give something back. Pastor Wally talks about how retirement is not in the Bible. There, there's work for you to do. You don't exist just to have fun. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, if you consider yourself a Christian, you have a part to play. And, and, and that's true not just here at church, although everyone has a part to play here as part of the body of Christ on Sunday mornings or as part of ministries of the church, but everyone has a part to play also out in the community outside of these church walls. And God has gifted you uniquely to be able to do so. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, Paul talks about it this way. He says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ." For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the, the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And, and Paul goes on to describe how each of us has a unique part. Some of us are ears, some of us are eyes, some of us are mouths. Each of us is part of the body of Christ. And, and in our unique gifting, each of us has something to contribute. You know, everybody has a part to play. Every single one of you is essential. Your purpose is unique. And so in that purpose, discovering your purpose, where is your place to contribute? Man, and, 
and you want to find your purpose here as part of community church, as part of this body, what, my question to you is, you know, what part can you play? Maybe it's discipling kids or leading a community here. Maybe, maybe you have a gift of hospitality. And if you would call this your church home and you have not found a place to, to, to jump in and to serve yet, uh, you are uniquely gifted to be able to contribute. And here's my hope. My hope is that you would experience a life of chasing after Jesus that is so filled with so much purpose, where he's just dropping things in front of you that you know that he wants you to do, that it would exceed your greatest expectation. I was having a conversation with someone recently who signed up for our discipleship boot camp, and uh, she signed up somewhat reluctantly, but she felt compelled to. It was outside of her comfort zone. And as she's starting to dig into some of the, the content, some of the information, things that they're pushing them towards, she was just saying, man, I feel like God is just dropping opportunity after opportunity in front of me in a way that she had never experienced before. And she was just saying, I just, I just think it's so exciting. And church, that's what I want for every single one of you, that you would step out in faith and find that God is going before you to show you life of purpose, life of meaning, that you were created with a God-sized purpose. And that as part of this church family, we'd be able to help each other discover it. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the ways that you lead us. God, I pray for anyone who's maybe felt that fear that we talked about at the beginning of, of not measuring up, of, of not knowing their purpose. God, I pray your spirit would speak in such a way that confirms, God, you have a calling on each of our lives, that each one of us is essential. God, I pray that you would give us opportunities where we can live out the purposes that you have for us, God, that we wouldn't be able to miss it. God, that we'd be able to encourage each other on. God, I pray that you'd push us out of our comfort zones to places of maybe greater faith, greater risk. And God, I pray that you would find us willing as followers of you, increasingly saying, God, you are good enough and, and important enough in our lives for us to make that sacrifice. God, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we, before we close today, uh, we want to give you an opportunity. And at the end of some of the messages recently, we've been kind of giving you a nudge. And so um, here at the Mount Pleasant campus, if you have been maybe here for a little while and you have not found your part to play, maybe you've been sitting on the sidelines or you've been kind of waiting for an opportunity to drop in front of you, I want to just give you a nudge to say, would you pray about, consider finding your unique spot to serve here at Community Church? And so three, three areas I want to highlight that are particular needs from our staff teams here at this church. Uh, number one, maybe you have the gift of hospitality. And uh, you, you say, man, I love how welcoming this church is. Uh, some of that is all you wonderful people. But some of that is also planned with amazing volunteers who serve in the parking crew or serve on our coffee team, serve as ushers or greeters. And maybe that's a spot where you say, you know what, I could, I could contribute that, that place. I, could, I serve on a hospitality team. Or maybe you absolutely love kids and you've been waiting for your you know, chance or your sign to serve with kids. We've had so much, uh, you know, recent new families that have connected with the church. Uh, our kids ministry would love to talk to you more about not just keeping kids alive for an hour, but discipling kids, raising up kids who love Jesus. And maybe that's your spot, your place to contribute. Or, or number three, our Connect Guides out here, they do a fantastic job of talking to people, getting to know their story, helping them find a next step here at the church. And you think, man, I love talking to people. I love helping them discover what God has for them. And maybe that's a spot. And then there's, there's many other opportunities. Would you pray about, God, where do you want me to contribute as part of this church? 
in the seat backs in front of you, there's, there's uh, cards that you can fill out to serve. You can scan the QR code. And, and filling that out doesn't obligate you to anything, but is a step in the direction of saying, God, where do you want me to be used here as part of this church family? Church, it is a joy to be on this journey with you. Have a blessed week.